0: Hello, and welcome to Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazengo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Todd opens the Word of God and explains the difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. Is the goal of entering the kingdom of God simply so that we can sit and wait for Jesus to return? Is the kingdom of God already here? Do we have assignments from God to walk out today to expand his kingdom on earth? Pastor Todd reveals the answers to these questions in today's message. Let's listen in. Be sure to listen to the end for some exciting information.
1: All right, you ready to get into it? All right, you ready to get into it? All right, I'll wait for it. You ready to get into it? All right. Uh, and what I want to talk about today is the difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of salvation, the gospel of the kingdom of God. There are two distinct things in scripture, and I'll show them to you today. Uh, And there's a reason which I'll unroll at the end of this as to why I want to study this. So if we go to Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, we're going to talk about the gospel of salvation in Ephesians 2. Verse 1. And you were dead in your offenses and sin, dead in your trespasses and sin. So here we have Paul talking to a group of people who are clearly alive and breathing. But he tells them that they were dead in their trespasses and sin in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the rest. So Paul is saying, hey, I'm telling you, you're dead in your sins, but I'm telling you, so was I. At one point, I too was dead in my sin. Verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up in him and seated us with him in us with him in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So that ages to come, he might show the boundless riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith And it's not a work of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not the results of work so that anyone may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in him. So what I want to point out to you in this scripture is he lays the setting for salvation. He says, at one point we were dead and then we were made alive. At one point we were transferred from death to life. At one point we were transferred from the prince of the power of this world into the domain of heavenly places. We were transferred from the spirit of disobedience to the spirit of good works that were prepared for us. In Colossians chapter 1, it kind of gives a great synopsis of that entire set of scriptures. In in Colossians 1.13, it says, for he, Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness, and then he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So God rescues us from the domain of the prince of the power of the air. He rescues us from a domain of darkness and he transfers us into the kingdom of his son, into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of heaven, which we'll talk more about in a minute. And that transference happens when we recognize that we are separated from God and living in the kingdom of darkness. i've said before you will spend your eternity with whoever you are submitted to so we were submitted to the prince of the power of the air satan in the kingdom of darkness and god points that out to us through a conviction of the holy spirit that you are separated from me you're going to spend your eternity with satan in hell if you don't make a decision to be transferred into the kingdom of god So there's a transference that goes on at the point of salvation. It happens when we recognize I am separated from God. I am submitted to Satan. I am full of sin and I need to do something about that. And I receive God's grace. He made available to me an opportunity to leave that kingdom of darkness and come into his kingdom. We put our faith in what Christ has done for us. What has Christ done for us? Christ on that cross took the punishment for disobedience that I deserve. I deserve to be separated from God because I was submitting to Satan. But Christ came and said, the punishment of being separated from God, I will take for you. He who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God. What happened? He said, the punishment that's due you, I'll take it and I'll give you my right standing with God. Then you'll walk into the kingdom of God and leave the kingdom of darkness. He took that separation when he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was separated from God at that moment, taking the punishment of death of sin for us. And now the beauty is through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was resurrected from that. He overcame that death and he came back to show us there's a life after this one and you can either be in the kingdom of darkness or you can be in the kingdom of God, but I can give you a way to get from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. That, my friends, is the gospel of salvation. That we have a way through Jesus Christ to leave an eternity with Satan and hell and go to eternity in the kingdom of God with God and Jesus and the Spirit. Are you with me? That is the gospel of salvation. It is the single most important decision we will make in our lifetime. From the time you are born to the time you leave this earth, there is no more important decision than where you're going to spend your eternity. And we make that decision based on a recognition of what kingdom are we in and what king do we want to be in so the good news of the gospel of salvation is critical to those who do not know God who are not in the kingdom of God who are still in the kingdom of darkness. So our emphasis as believers has to be the work of Christ dying on the cross to bring those that are lost to him. But the gospel of salvation is for those who need to be saved from an eternal hell. Stay with me, because too many people look at the gospel of salvation as a hand stamp to heaven. Bear with me. It's my golden ticket to the golden city. I now have my salvation, so let's just wait this thing out until Jesus comes so I can go to heaven. And I'm saying that salvation enters you into the kingdom of God where the works of working in the kingdom of God begin. So salvation is the entrance into the kingdom of God. You would think when Jesus came to the earth, it says he came to seek and save the lost. That every time he spoke, he would say, you are lost and you are dead in your sins. You need to repent. I will die for you on your behalf. You come. But he doesn't. As a matter of fact, if you go into scripture and look at those times where he's speaking, Jesus only talks about salvation, saved, or saves 19 times in the gospel. But if you go look at how often he talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom, it was 93 times So five times more often he's talking about the kingdom of God than he is about salvation. Now hold on, just stay calm. I'm not disrespecting salvation. I'll explain how this works in a minute. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing. Matthew always refers to it as the kingdom of heaven. Everyone else in scripture calls it the kingdom of God. What's the difference in the kingdom of heaven and God? Nothing. It's like saying Donald Trump is president or Donald Trump is the president of the United States. One of them gives a territory. One of them gives the owner, the kingdom of heaven, which is everything in heaven, the kingdom of God, which is identifying God. So Jesus talks regularly, frequently on a consistent basis about the kingdom of God. I'll show you in Matthew 4, 23. It says, Jesus was going about in all of Galilee. That would be the entire area around the Sea of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. So Jesus is traveling everywhere talking about the kingdom, not about salvation, but about the kingdom. But don't worry, it'll come together. It comes together in Mark 1, 14 and 15. In Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now John, after he was taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. I don't know if you just saw it, but he said the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, it's time for you to repent and believe in the gospel. I'm separating these for a reason. You'll see that he is saying there is a kingdom of God, but there is also a gospel that gives you entrance. I don't know if you saw it, but he said now that the kingdom of God is here, it's time for you to believe in the gospel. See Nicodemus, who is a Jewish man, a Pharisee, hears him talking about the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is curious as to what is this kingdom of God? Because I was born a Jew. I'm in God's family. Why is there a kingdom of God that I don't know about? So he goes to Jesus and says, what is this? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus tells him this in John 3, 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a person be born again when he's old? He can't enter into his mother's womb a second time, can he? And Jesus answered, don't you admit this. The question was, can he enter into his mother's womb a second time? The answer is, truly I say to you, unless he is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit." So don't be amazed that I say you must be born again. So the two things, you hear this scripture interpreted many many ways. You hear it interpreted as water baptism versus being baptized in the spirit. But what was the question? Can I get into my mother's womb again? The answer was flesh is flesh. You can't get back into flesh. And you'll understand why he's asking that question because Jesus comes back and says no, you got to be born physically and born spiritually. Now why would he say that? Why would Jesus tell Nicodemus, you got to be born in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's like, duh, he wouldn't be here to ask the question if he wasn't born. But what's going on in Nicodemus's head is I was born as a Jew, therefore I'm in God's kingdom, right? And he's saying, no, you got to be born, but you got to be born of the spirit to go into the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Okay. So he's telling him, yes, you've been born under God, in God's favored people, in the Jewish nation, but you got to not only be born that way; you got to be born of the Spirit. We see that in John one twelve. But as many as received them, He gave them right to become children of God to those who believe in His name, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God, born spiritually. Uh, John six sixty three. It is the Spirit. Who gives life? Let me say this again. It is the Spirit, Holy Spirit, capital S, who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit. You can't live in the flesh, but you can live in the Spirit. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and our life. And then the interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus winds up like this. The wind blows where it wishes, and you may hear the sound of it. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone who has been born of the spirit. Now, I'll talk later about what it means that the wind blows and you come and go, and that's how everyone is. But he says you are born of the Spirit. So being born again, hear me out. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. You have to go through salvation in order to enter the kingdom of God. There is a difference between being born again and entering into the kingdom of God. One is the entrance point. The other is where you are after you enter. It seems like a technicality, but bear with me. The kingdom of God is where God reigns and rules over a people in a dominion. Are you hearing me? The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns over a people in a dominion. So I am in the kingdom of God because I am serving God in his domain. And he is ruling and reigning. I hope you get this. We're saved in order to have God as our ruler, to have Christ as king. Uh, Maybe I'll tell it to you this way, and I know this is an analogy that will fall apart, but bear with me, all analogies do. It's like Disney's Magic Kingdom, okay? You cannot play in the kingdom until you've gone through the gate. You have to go through the gate before you can be in the kingdom. And to get through the gate, you have to buy a ticket. Stay with me, it's not complicated. I got to get a ticket, I got to go through the gate in order to be in the kingdom. You got those three things? I got to buy a ticket, I got to go through the gate in order to be in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is similar to that. What I'm saying is you have to go through the gate, which is Jesus. Jesus is the gate into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. The beauty is the cost of the ticket has also been paid by Jesus. In 1 John 4, 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. A propitiation is a nice uh, seminary kind of word. If you don't want propitiation, say propitiation. Oh, you sound so educated. That's awesome. Listen, propitiation means full payment, full payment. He paid for our sins. He laid down his life. He was crucified. He took the suffering. He took the abuse. He took the condemnation. He paid for our sins. He is the gate and he paid for the ticket. But guess what? You got to have that ticket. You don't go through the gate without the ticket that he paid for. How do I claim the ticket? By faith. By grace, it's been extended to me. Now I have to claim the ticket. I have to say, I believe, Jesus, that you have paid the ticket for me to go through you into the kingdom of God. That's called salvation. Salvation happens at the gate, but you go through the gate into the kingdom. When you consider that kind of analogy, some things about how Jesus taught make more sense. Why did he talk so much about the kingdom as opposed to salvation? Because being in the kingdom of God is the goal. Being in the kingdom of God is the priority. Being in the kingdom of God is eternal security. Being in the kingdom of God is the ultimate objection. But without salvation, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I'm not downplaying salvation at all. I'm just trying to separate it for a purpose and a point I'm going to make in a minute. Jesus came and said, God will forgive you. You are outside the kingdom, but if you come through me, he will forgive you. You can leave the kingdom of death and misery. You can come into relationship in the kingdom of God with him where you will have responsibilities and rewards. You can have a father who teaches you, who disciplines you, who corrects you, and does that for your joy, and you can be in the kingdom of God. Amen. And then Jesus does something else kind of unique. He tells us, I want you to go teach and preach about the kingdom of God. In Matthew ten seven, And as you go preach saying, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 24, 14. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the whole world as a testimony to all nation. And then... The end will come. With all of that said, what does that mean for the believer today? Listen to me. Here's my point for today. It means salvation is not a hand stamp and a wait for Jesus to return. It's like going to the gate and just staying at the gate. When you came through the gate into the kingdom, now there is a life in the kingdom. A life that you live, responsibilities, duties, things for us to do in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has a ruler. It's God. It's his kingdom. The kingdom of God has a domain. It's heaven and earth and everything below that. The kingdom of God has a government. It is all on Jesus' shoulders. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And it has a purpose, the full restoration of man and God. Mm, It's going to be important. Here's what I'm trying to say. Salvation is only the beginning. It's the beginning of the walk in the kingdom of God. And that walk in the kingdom of God must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're at Revived Church, so you know we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The word and the spirit together. I'm gonna take you into the word and I'm gonna show you a parable that has been so mistaught that I hope to make it make sense for you today. It is the parable of the 10 virgins. Let me show you what this parable is actually saying. Verse one, then the kingdom of heaven, that's what we're talking about. The kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Everybody say they had no oil. Now no, say it again they had no oil. No oil. Bear with me. But the prudent took oil in flask along with their lamps. I'm telling you, it's going to make sense in a minute. While the bridegroom was laying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. And at midnight, there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. I'm telling you, you're gonna, it's going to make sense. And the prudent said, no, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go and said to the dealers, and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. And later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, open up for us. Remember, they were waiting for him. They come back and he says, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on alert because you don't know the day or the hour. Now listen, every time I hear this preached, it's about, you got enough oil to last? Did you save up enough oil for when Christ comes? You know, you got to have some extra oil. You got to find a way to bring in some extra for you so you'll have enough to last. Listen, that's not what this is saying at all. The confusion is in the word lamp. Not understanding what lamp they're talking about. Here's what the difference is. In the Greek, there are two kinds of lamps. There is a lampus and a lachnos. Lampus. Everybody say lampas, Just because it's fun to say. And lachnos. Now listen to me. A lampus is an outdoor torch. It is a stick with a rag wrapped around the top of it. That's what a lampos is. And then there's a likenos. A likenos is an oil-based bowl with a wick in it. That's a likenos. I'll show you the difference. In John 18, when the soldiers with Judas come to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says they brought their lampos. In other words, they were carrying torches to come and get him in the garden. But in Luke 15, 8, when the woman lost a coin in her house, she searched for it, not with a torch on the stick in her house, set the roof on fire. She did it with a bowl of oil that had a wick in it. That's a leiknos. Guess which lamp is in this story about the ten virgins? The lampos. The torch light is what they're talking about. The word here is lampos. In other words, they came with a stick with a rag wrapped around it. They did not come with pots of oil with a wick in them. They came with a torch. Now listen to me. If you take a torch and you tightly wrap a rag around the end of it, you can set it on fire. But it will not burn long. If you want it to burn long, you must dip it in oil in order for it to burn long. Are you with me? So five did not bring oil. They didn't have any oil. It wasn't that they ran out. It wasn't that they had some and it didn't last all night. It wasn't that we got to get enough of the oil to make sure we got enough until Jesus returned. They had no oil. And you say, but wait a minute, doesn't it talk about the fact that they had to trim? I mean, isn't that the way you take the wick and you cut off the black part and you get it ready so it burns better? No, that's not what trimming means in Scripture. If you go to 1 Timothy two nine, it's talking about women dressing modestly, and this is what it says. The word is used for trimming is cosmeo, and it says women are to cosmeo themselves with proper clothing. Think about it trim yourself with, pro- cover yourself, wrap yourself with proper clothing. So when it says they trimmed their lamps, what were they doing? They were wrapping the rag around the torch. Ah. So they have no oil, none. What is oil in scripture? Oil is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus returned, they had no Holy Spirit. So he says, I don't know you. But the ones who had the Holy Spirit, he says, come on in. Does this make sense now? Okay. So you get the Holy Spirit at the gate, at the point of salvation. Ephesians 1.13. In him, you, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having... Also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise So when I come to know Christ when I hear the gospel of salvation, I am given the oil Therefore if I try to wait for Jesus and I have not Believed I have no oil and he does not know me To operate in the kingdom of God. We have to have the Holy Spirit If there's no salvation, there's no Holy Spirit, and there's no entering the kingdom of God. There's a difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom of God. Let me explain. What is it like when you're in the kingdom of God? Romans 14, 17 says it like this. It says, they're, they're having a discussion about what should you eat and not eat based on what's clean and unclean. And he says in 1417, the kingdom of God isn't about eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the kingdom of God, you have to have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have righteousness, peace, and joy. What are those three things? Righteousness, a right standing condition with God, being acceptable to God. I have right standing with God. Through Jesus, I am made righteous. Peace, where harmony prevails in my life, where my mind is settled and at peace. Joy, a gladness that is given to me by the Lord. I have a joy of the Lord that becomes my strength, and I get these. They're brought about in the Holy Spirit. Why am I bringing this up? Because if the kingdom of God is a state of righteousness, joy, and peace, Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If being in the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, then when people see us walking in the kingdom of God, do they see righteousness, peace, and joy? I'm not trying to step on toes, but here's what I'm saying. So many believers are looking at their salvation as the hand stamp and the ticket waiting for Christ to return. What do I mean by that? I mean, there's a lot of believers who are suffering and hanging in there just until Jesus comes back. They are struggling with depression and anxiety and anger and frustrating, hoping that Jesus comes tomorrow so that he'll fix all this problem. Most believers are sure that heaven will be good one day, but we got to grin and bear it. Oh, why, why, why are we talking about this? Because if you're here today, and you are a believer in what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross, you are in the kingdom of God. That was the goal. That was the ultimate objective, was to get in the kingdom of God. Why? So we can sit and wait for Jesus? No. No. Because we've been given duties and responsibilities and things to do. You may not recognize this, but Jesus is coming back. But I want you to hear me. When he's coming back, he is coming back to set up cities and governments and authorities. And he's looking at you saying, are you using it well now so that in my kingdom come, you can be over cities? He's looking at you and saying, how are you operating in the kingdom? And some people would say, oh, Pastor Todd, that's theologically incorrect because the kingdom of God doesn't come and kill. Christ returns. Listen to me. Who are you submitted to? God, why am I worshiping God if the kingdom is not here? Why would I do that if He's not my King, if He's not my God, if I'm not in the King? The kingdom of God is here. And it will be fully realized when Christ comes back to here. But he tells you over and over in parable after parable after parable after parable. parable Listen to me. 34 parables. 34 parables. And look at the theme of every one of them. The theme of every one of them is I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back. And I'm going to see what you did while I was gone. What are you doing in the kingdom of God? My point is, I got saved. Praise God. I get to spend an eternity with God. I get to be a part of this new heaven and new earth. All of that is beautiful, but right now, today, I'm in the kingdom of God. And I've got to operate in the kingdom of God. And I've got to take territories, and I've got to take responsibilities, and I've got to go against the enemy, and I've got to show God that I am here because you put me here to do something, and I'm going to do it. Why am I bringing this message up? Because all of January we're going to talk about territory. The word for us in 2021 is territory, understanding territory. And to do that, I've got to help us realize that we're not saved and sitting. <laughs> saved and sitting. Oh, it'll all be good when Jesus comes. I can't wait till Jesus comes because then all this misery goes away. What are you doing? You're in the kingdom of God. He's given you territory, he's given you authority. He's saying, go against the enemy. Their gates cannot prevail against you. Why are you sitting back and waiting? Move, move, move. And one day Christ comes back and I don't want him to say, what have you guys been doing? Sitting in church, waiting for me to come back. You could have been taking territory. You could have been running the devil out of here. You could have been healing people and cleansing the leper and raising the dead and setting the captive free, but instead you were waiting for a kingdom that's already here. Your children of God Romans eight sixteen. You're seated in heavenly places. Ephesians two six. You have authority and responsibility. Luke ten nineteen. Your enemies already defeated. Colossians two fifteen. And we're to spread that gospel of salvation to bring people into that kingdom. But listen to me right now. I know who my king is. I know I'm submitted to the Lord and I'm worshiping God. Why? Because I'm in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, there are things to do. Why are we studying this? We are studying this because there's work to be done. We're studying this because we're currently on a mission and we have a mandate. There are things we're supposed to be doing as the bride of Christ in the kingdom of God. And we have to recognize that this is not about waiting for his return. This is about actively preparing for his return. Preparing our territory, preparing ourselves, learning to work in authority, watching I heard it said this way one time, I do not want Jesus to come back to a disproportionate body to his headship. I don't want him coming back as the head of the church and there's this tiny little body that tucks up under his head. I wanna be fully proportionate, fully strengthened, fully ready to run with my king. Church, we gotta become active. We're not waiting We're not sitting. We're not passive. We have work in the kingdom to do.
0: Well, what did you think? Is the kingdom of God already here? Do you have an assignment from God to operate in His kingdom here on earth? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at Now for some very exciting news. Pastor Todd's latest book has just been released. It's called Missing Pieces. Have you ever asked yourself, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, why do I still do the things I don't want to do? Pastor Todd addresses this and many more important questions that most of us have pondered for years. Pastor Todd fills in the missing pieces that we have wondered about, and when those pieces are understood and put in place, the bigger picture becomes more clear. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning to visit our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest. Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice? That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.